Thank you for that, Macy and Jennings. I, I tell you what, I appreciate a lot more of these people that sing and, and, and play music in front of you guys and do all that stuff on Sunday nights, and Macy does it every week. That's, that's something. Now, I'm telling you what, that's a, that's a, major, a major deal. And I, uh, I've been trying to practice a song to sing, and it's, I, don't, I can't do it. I, I don't know how they do it every week, but, but praise God that God has given you all the talent. So thank you, too, for leading us in that tonight. All right, Galatians chapter 5. It's good to see a good crowd out tonight on a Wednesday night. It's good to see people coming out. And more importantly, it's good to see people smiling. I, I know I say that a lot, but, but that's a big deal, y'all. That's, that's good. That's a, that's, I think that's a, a sign of a healthy church when people smile. And get to come and paint shoe boxes, and uh, everybody's been painting boxes and taking pictures, making candy bags. Well, all the women, the men were outside talking, giving each other a hard time. <laughs> but, but the women were, were doing all that good stuff, and so it's good. It's good to see everybody. I don't know if anybody would come back after last week. Y'all realized how dumb I was, getting yoke and yoke confused, and, and then telling y'all all that I done got overweight and my pants and all that crazy stuff we talked about. But everybody's back. And we're continuing on in Galatians chapter 5. Last week we looked at one verse, but we learned a lot. At least I hope we learned a lot from that one verse. It was a good verse. And we're covering a few more verses tonight. Uh, we're going to be in verse 2 through verse... I think I wrote 13 on the screen, but I got it wrong, as I usually do. I'm about 50-50. Half the time I get it right, this is the half that I got it wrong. We're going to stop at verse 12 tonight. Before we get into verse 13. But we're going to pray. And then we are just going to continue on through Galatians. So let's pray. Father God, I come to you tonight. And I thank you for this text that we've got. And it's, it's a lot of good stuff in your word, dear Lord. All of it. But it's some good stuff in this, in this word tonight that we're going to read. And I pray that you would help it to, to speak to us. That you would help it to apply it to our lives, dear Lord. Sometimes... Uh, we don't do a good job of that, God. Sometimes I don't do a good job of that as a preacher of, of, of helping to relay the message in a way that it can reply, uh, apply to us, dear Lord. But help the Holy Spirit to, to do the application, dear Lord. That when we read your word, even if we don't have the same exact things going on in our life, dear Lord, there's a lot of things that, that, that your word applies to our life. And so I pray that it would, it would apply tonight, God. And I pray that you just would hide me behind the cross. I pray that it would be good as we just spend a few minutes to to jump into these words tonight. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen. So Paul had kind of shifted gears a little bit last week, starting uh, into chapter 5, and he said, Look, why would you be so foolish to go back into slavery uh, when you've been uh, brought into freedom? He had been using several illustrations to bring the point out. He had talked about the free woman and the slave woman. He had talked about uh, the 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 the, the, the the slave who would guide the child to school as opposed to uh, 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 the, the slave that was the law. So he used all these illustrations, always freedom being a Christ and the slave being the law. And he kind of uh, continues on with that a little bit uh, tonight in the verses that we're going to look at. And he starts off in verse 2 saying, Take note, I, Paul, tell you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Now, I always say context, context, context. Y'all hate to hear me because every time I say I do that, I go and I read chapters that we're not covering so we can understand context. This is one of those verses that if you were just to read this verse out of context, you would say, oh my, 
That's a scary thing. But we have to read and understand the context of what Paul is talking about. Now, obviously, this issue of circumcision, we've seen this earlier in the book of Galatians. And so this is an issue he's going back to because this was no doubt an issue that was going on in their, in their time. Now, I've said this time and time again, and I will repeat it tonight. Uh, I, I know that this probably is not an issue that we struggle with, but a lot of times we can take an issue in the Bible and we can take it and replace it with something in our life and usually it'll fit pretty close there and so it'll still apply in some area but the issue that they were struggling with in the context was they were struggling with circumcision and he said look if you get circumcised Christ will not benefit you at all now that's not a blanket statement but in the context of what he was saying the problem was this is that people were, uh, the Galatians who had been walking with Christ, who had been uh, living for the Lord, living for Jesus, living in that freedom, all of a sudden they had gone back in and they had become a slave to the old ways and these things that people were putting on them, one of which was circumcision. And Paul said, look, that's not going to save you. There's no benefit. You have no benefit in Christ if you're trusting in some action that you do more than you're trusting in what Christ did He's saying, I got bad news for you because there's nothing that you can do that's going to give you a right standing with the Lord. So don't abandon Christ who's give you freedom to go back to slavery, which is only going to lead, lead you to eternal damnation. That's pretty much what Paul has been getting at uh, in this book of Galatians. Let's go on a little further. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself mm -hmm. circumcised that he is obligated to keep the entire law. So, again, similar language. Paul's saying, look, if you want to pick out one of these laws and do, if you're going to pick one of them, then you're obligated to all of them. There were 613 of them. And so, again, he's reiterating the point. He's saying, look, don't go back to the slavery. He had just told them in the verses we talked about last week. He had made that point, and he's, he's, he's bringing it out again. Don't go back into that old way that's slavery for you. He goes on to say, You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Boy, now that's, that's pretty intense right there. You see, the, the problem was that the people, they had a choice to make. They had a choice to make. Am I going to try to follow the law to be justified, to be made right with God? Or am I going to follow Christ? And these are people who at some point in time had listened to Paul, had accepted him in, had heard what he had to say, and were excited about Jesus Christ. And now others were coming in and tempting them to go back into this law. And Paul is saying, you've got a choice to make. You can either choose the law or you can choose Christ. But he says that these people have fallen from grace. Because grace is something that cannot be earned. You see, by fulfilling all these things that they were trying to do, circumcision and all these other uh, religious ceremonies and things that they were so concerned about and trying to do all those things, by doing that, they were saying that God's grace was insignificant to them. You see, they were trying to earn something that can't be earned because that's what grace is. Grace is not given to us because we're so good. And we might like to think that sometimes. Our pride will get in the way. Our ego will get in the way. And we may like to think that sometimes that God is good to us because we are just so wonderful. 
But that is just not true. That is not at all what grace is. Grace is that God is good to us because of what Jesus Christ did and because we put our faith and trust in Him. God didn't send Jesus to die because He looked into the future and said, Boy, I see that group at Enterprise. Look at all the boxes they're making. Look how happy they are. Boy, I tell you what. Come on, Jesus, get on down there and die. That's not what God did. God didn't say, I'm going to send my son to die for you because you were so good. God said, I'm going to send my son to die for you because you're not good, but I still love you anyway and I want to be with you. That's what grace is. And Paul says, look, what you guys are doing, what you Galatians are doing, and maybe us too, better watch out. Let's not just point the finger at the Galatians, maybe us too. Are we ever so guilty as to disregard the grace of Jesus Christ and just go about trying to be good and be religious in our own eyes. All the while not, not saying, look, it's you, Lord Jesus. It's not me. And sometimes I think we can do that as Christians. Sometimes I think we can think a little too much of ourselves and try a little too hard instead of just falling to our knees and humbling ourselves and saying, look, dear Lord God, I realize who you are and where you are and I realize who I am and where I am and I am so unworthy of your love and your grace and your mercy. But thank you, Lord God, for giving it to me. And sometimes it's good for us as Christians to kind of remember who we are and who God is. And that's what Paul is saying, that these people... They had begun to trust in things that were not going to save them. And they had thrown grace out the window. That grace that they had once accepted, that grace that only Jesus Christ can bring. And Paul was saying, look, you've given that away. You've thrown that away. And they had fallen from grace. He goes on to say, boy, I like this, this next couple of verses right here. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. All right? Through the, through the Spirit, by faith. All right? So we're not, as Christians, we're not trying to earn God's favor uh, our, by our, our good works. We do good works because we have faith in the Lord and we love Him. And that's what separates us. We have faith in God. We're not trying to win God's favor. We have faith in what Jesus Christ did. That's what separates the Christian from the non-Christian. That's what separates those who were standing firm and those who had fallen from grace is they had quit putting their faith in Jesus Christ and they had begun to put their faith in works of the world. He goes on to say, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. Now I don't know about you guys, but I love that verse. Boy, that sums it up pretty good. That really sums up everything that Paul is trying to get across. Let's read it again. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. Let me tell you what Paul is saying there. He's saying it don't matter so much about what you do. What matters is that you have faith in Jesus Christ and that that's shown in your love that you have for one another. That really sums up the Bible. That's what we see all throughout the New Testament. That's what we see Jesus preached on. That's what we see God call us to. Have faith in Jesus Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. and Love your neighbor as yourself. That pretty much sums up everything. And Paul, he hits the nail on the head right here. He's saying, look, it don't matter. It don't matter. Some of you are circumcised. Some of you are uncircumcised. But guess what? The same Jesus died for all of you. And if you've got faith in him, then praise the Lord. That's all you got to have. Now, I was thinking about that verse, and I was thinking, 
you know, as I said earlier, that's probably not an issue that we're, we're dealing with in our culture, in our day and age, at least not here, maybe some in the world. We're not dealing with that issue of circumcision. But I was thinking, what are some issues that we as churches today do deal with that we could replace those two words in that blank that may be a little more relevant to us, that may apply to us a little more? Just in the last couple of weeks, I've, been, I've, I've had two people tell me some issues that happened in their church. And there are many that I can think about that I've seen over my years of my life. What if we were to take this verse and to help apply it to us, we were to say, For in Christ Jesus, neither dressing up or not dressing up accomplishes anything for what matters in faith, working through love. What if we took that verse and we said, For in Christ Jesus, neither old songs or new songs or fast songs or slow songs accomplishes anything, for what matters in faith, working through love. You see, we can, we can think of whatever those issues are that we see in our world today that are causing problems that we make a big deal about, and we can say the same thing that Paul is saying here, that it's neither here nor there, the songs we sing or the clothes that we wear, or whatever the issue might be. Or, or I mean, there's a million things that we often find ourselves uh, fussing and feuding or squabbling over. But the point of it is, is that a lot of times these things that we are bickering about, they don't have any relevance. They're of no importance. They do not affect our salvation. But what they do affect is our fellowship. What they do affect is they cause us to fuss and feud and fight about things that are irrelevant. Things that aren't doing any good for the kingdom of God. And maybe you guys can think of some others that you could put in that blank. For Christ Jesus is not blank or blank. Christ Jesus is faith and love. And so we have to be on our guard that we are not falling into the same trap as the people of Galatia. We have to be on our guard, church, that we are not squabbling over things that are insignificant. Squabbling over things that are trivial. We want to continue to have faith in Jesus Christ and to love one another. He goes on to say, You were running well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? They were doing good. The people of Galatia were at one point in time, they were doing good. He uses this analogy of running well. This is not an uncommon thing to use this uh, analogy of, of running a race of some sort in Scripture. And they were doing a good job. We can relate to that right as Christians because sometimes as Christians, we're, we're, we're like spiritually on fire for the Lord. We're reading our Bible. We're spending like genuine good time in prayer. Like we're really seeking the Lord. We're really being obedient. We're listening to what He has to say. And there are times in our life as Christians that we are running well. But there are also times in our lives as Christians that we don't run so well. That all of a sudden we're, we're running along and then all of a sudden we get tripped up. Something comes up in our life. Something that we place a lot of importance on. And we kind of get tripped up by it. And we, we, may, not, we may not get tripped up too much at first, but as time goes, something else comes in. And next thing you know, we just, we just quit running the race. We're just kind of standing around, looking around. And so the same is true for us sometimes. There are, there are many of us as Christians that are running well, and then all of a sudden something comes in and gets us off track, just like with the people of Galatia. You were running well who prevented you from obeying the truth. This persuasion did not come from the one who called you. A little yeast leavens the whole lump of dough. 
Boy, ain't that true? It don't take much of something to mess up the whole thing. And that's why we Christians have to be on our guard. Because you know what? The devil's going to try to get every single one of us to get angry, to get bitter, to get mad at another one of us. That's what he wants to do. He's going to try to get all of us, and hopefully we're going to fight against it, and he's not going to get any of us, but he's going to keep on trying and keep on trying because he knows if he can get one person in a body of believers to begin to act a fool, to cause a problem, then guess what's going to happen? It's going to take people who are coming to church and smiling and painting shoeboxes and loving each other. It's going to take that attitude and you're going to have a church where you're going to have this group and you're going to have this group. And this one's going to talk about that one and that one's going to talk about that one. And when that happens, we become completely ineffective for the Lord. All the good things that God wants to do through every body of believers, when we work together, when we love each other, when we keep the devil out, when we stay on guard, when we don't give in, we can do mighty things for the Lord. But the first time that one person or two people... <clears throat> excuse me, or a handful of people come in, they can break this thing so quick and ruin any good work that God wants to do. And trust me, the devil, he is working hard. He does not want to see us do good work because every good work that a body of believer does, that's going to lead some other person to Jesus Christ. And that is the last thing that Satan wants. Satan's not going to be working too hard on those people in the world. Well, let me take that back. He is working hard on them too because he wants to keep them down. But I believe he works extra hard on us, on us Christians. Because, boy, if he can keep us from getting out there and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and being a light to the world, then he succeeded. Because guess what? The light's not coming from anywhere else. If people aren't picking up God's Word and if they're not seeing it through Christians, then they're not seeing the light. So we want to stay on track, Christian, and we don't want to, to get off track. We want to run well and we want to continue to run well. I have confidence in the Lord. You will not accept any other view. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, that's pretty, pretty steep stuff. Paul says, look, I know that there are some that's come in and they're getting you off track. But he's saying, look, I've got confidence in you. I've got faith that even though you have fallen from grace, even though some of you aren't running well, even though you're not trusting in Jesus Christ like you should, he said, I've got faith that you're going to come back around. I've got faith that you're going to come around, and I hope that whoever it is is giving you a hard time, that they will pay the price for that. He goes on in a little more detail here. Now, brothers, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Now, I don't know exactly what Paul means there because he kind of brings up something. It doesn't seem like, to me at least, that he addresses in the context where he says, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? It is possible that there were some that were saying that Paul was preaching that people should be circumcised. If you go back and you read in Acts, I believe, chapter 16, the first few verses there, he says that he wants Timothy to go get circumcised. In that instance, Paul did say, go do it, but again, what's my favorite word? Context. In the context, Paul was telling Timothy to do that because he was sending Timothy to preach to a bunch of Jews, and he knew that that was an important issue for the Jews, circumcision. And he said, look, they're not going to listen to him if he's not circumcised. And so he told Timothy to go get circumcised so that he could be all things to all people so that some may come to know Jesus Christ. 
And so Paul wasn't making a blanket statement and saying everyone should be. Perhaps that's what he was referring to here. Maybe some of these false teachers had come in and said, hey, Paul's preaching this too, you need to do it. But Paul was saying, I'm not preaching that. I'm not teaching that. I'm not saying that's necessary. What he's saying is the cross of Jesus Christ is all that is necessary. So don't get sidetracked and say that I'm saying that that's something that you have to do because Paul is clearly saying, I'm preaching the cross and Christ crucified and that's what matters and that's my story and I'm sticking to it. He goes on to say, this is some pretty strong language right here. He says, I wish those who are disturbing you might also get themselves castrated. He says, look, this group's coming in and they're preaching circumcision. You've got to get cut on a little bit. He's saying, if that's what they want to do, I wish they'd go ahead and cut everything off and be done with it. That's pretty strong language. Paul is serious here. Paul is trying to get the point across to them. Do not give in to things that are unimportant. Do not give in to things that don't matter. Give in to Jesus Christ because that's all that matters. There is, no, there is no other stuff that matters. It is Jesus Christ and Him alone. Live for Him. Follow His words. Be obedient to Him. And don't get caught up in things or people that are going to try to lead you off track. That are going to try to convince you that you need to do more. That you need to earn God's favor by doing more. That God disapproves of this. That God disapproves of that. That God will love you more if you do this. That you're not really saved because you're not doing X, Y, and Z. The Bible says that you are saved if you call on the name of Jesus Christ. And you believe that He is the Son of God. And you accept who He is, and you accept that He died on a cross, that He shed His blood for you, that He rose from the grave three days later, and that one day He is coming back. That's what saves you. That's faith. That's grace. And nothing else. Don't get caught off track. Stand firm. Run well. Let's pray. God, we come to You tonight. Boy, that's good stuff, dear Lord. We thank You for grace. We thank you for it, dear Lord. We don't, sometimes we just don't get it. We don't realize how good it is, dear Lord. I mean, we know how good it is, God. But sometimes we, we just like the Galatians, dear Lord, and we just, we just get worried about doing our own thing, God. We get worried about this and that. and Dear Lord, that, this and that don't matter. Jesus Christ matters. Faith in Him and love for one another, that's what matters, dear Lord God. So that this and that and the things that come up in our life, whatever they may be, dear Lord, help us to be strong, God, and just love each other and just come together for you, Lord Jesus. And not allow the devil to get a foothold in this place, God. He is trying, dear Lord. He wants to destroy every good thing that you want to do, not just with this body of believers, but with everybody, dear Lord. So I pray, God, that you just would continue to bless us, that you'd continue to help us focused on you, God, that you would guide us, that you would uh, just help me, dear Lord, as pastor, to know how to minister to these people better and to, to see the vision, what you may call us to, dear Lord, both now and in the future, God, that we would be obedient to, to walk in your will, dear Lord, and do what you, you call us to. So I thank you for these good words that we have tonight. And I pray that in these next few minutes as we uh, go over this prayer list that you would help us just to remember uh, each one of these, dear Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.